<clears throat> excuse me. Well, once again, it is Friday, thankfully. <laughs> uh, let me get my levels right here, people. Just bear with me one second. I got a sound right for me. How goes it? The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And uh, I, I, I thought I had the stream set up and it just botched. And now I've got to redo it again. So that's coming shortly. So, frequently, you read about these politicians that are out there and they, they'll tell you, we need to do this in order to make this happen as far as temperature is concerned. And they point out that the temperature, according to them, has risen 1.1 degrees centigrade since the rise of the Industrial Age, which, believe me, is purely coincidental. Now, what they're trying to tell you, what they're trying to terrify you with, is that we on the Earth are hurtling on a path to thermal destruction if we don't take action to save the planet. Putting aside the arrogance that we actually control any of this stuff, putting that aside, putting aside that we actually control any aspect of nature, this is either stupidity on their part or intent to deceive, and it's probably a small combination of both. So, and... I think I stated this in the promo. The concept of an average temperature of the Earth is a figment of specific climate scientists' imagination conjured up to prove or to make you believe in a fraudulent hypothesis. The Earth has no average temperature. The temperature of the Earth is different at every point in time and space. We have never been in a state of what is would be, what we would refer to as thermal equilibrium. If you add two temperatures together and average them, you get a meaningless meaningless number. It'd be the same thing as trying to figure out what is the average zip code in the United States. There's this thing called thermodynamics. It's a branch of physics that it deals with the movement of heat. And what it does is it defines temperature as a proxy for kinetic energy of the molecules in a system, as movement. How excited are these molecules? It is related to the quantity of thermal energy present in the system. The concept of temperature as a proxy for the kinetic energy of the molecule in a system is derived from the kinetic theory of gases. This was developed in the 1850s and was proven by experimentation in 1947. This is what is known as the first principle of science. An understanding of the scientific definition of temperature is important to an understanding of the fraudulent claims of politicians and climate scientists who promote this idea that by you by getting out there with your grill and your gas stoves and your cars and your cows and, uh, you know, chewing gum and all this other stuff, that you, you have anything whatsoever to do with nature and what's happening in, in the climate. So kinetic energy is about motion. 
A golf ball, when it is hit, has kinetic energy. A moving car, when it's moving, has kinetic energy. An airplane in flight has kinetic energy. A molecule of air, as it moves, has kinetic energy. Now, a system, and, and think of this as a, it's, it's a volume of something moving around, but it has a fence around it. It has a boundary. Any object in motion has kinetic energy, and it can be calculated with the formula K dot E dot equals half MV2, mass and velocity of the object. So how are thermal energy and temperature and kinetic energy related? Well, when it gains or loses thermal energy heat, from its surroundings through the transfer of thermal heat energy, it either increases in temperature or decreases in temperature. The thermal energy absorbed or lost increases or decreases the kinetic energy of the molecules in the system. So when it cools down, the kinetic energy of the molecule slows down. And when it heats up, it gets faster. So the average kinetic energy of the molecules in the system changes, and then we see that change in the thermometer, if I'm going to use these technical terms like this. Now, if the temperature of the air in a system represents the average kinetic energy of the air molecules in a system, then you got to ask yourself this. How can, well, maybe some of you can. I, 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 I had to look this up. How can the kinetic energy of the air molecules in my room affect the kinetic energy of the air molecules in a room halfway around the world? Well, the answer to that is it can't. <laughs> the system that constitutes your room or the atmosphere that surrounds your city is not adjacent to a system halfway around the world. The air molecules in your room or in your city cannot interact with the air molecules in a city halfway around the world and affect the kinetic energy of those distant molecules. And this is a very simple scientific fact, and it demonstrates an important concept about heat and the transfer of it in a fluid or gas-like air. For thermal energy to pass from one system to another, the systems must be adjacent to each other. They have to share a thermal boundary. They have to be in the same fence. That is a fundamental law of thermodynamics. Now you got these client scientists at the UN that may develop complicated computer models and employ coupled partial differential equations to simulate the movement of thermal energy from one place to another around the globe to calculate an average temperature of the Earth, but this is pseudoscience because that can't actually exist. When it's hot in Texas, that does not mean it is affecting London. These models are using incomplete data, which are, you know, stuck in there based upon an agenda. And they, they, they're trying to uh, make you believe that there's a heat transfer interaction that is impossible to predict. If you take the temperature of Moscow at 20 degrees Fahrenheit and Miami, which is 74 in January, that yields an average of 47 degrees Fahrenheit. Does that number have any particular, particular uh, you know, practical value here? It doesn't have scientific value. 
So they've used publicly available data to prove that there has been no significant global warming of the Earth's atmosphere, oceans, or land mass as CO2 has increased, which that one thing alone falsifies the entire global warming hypothesis. And uh, you can get out there and say, uh, hey, you know, this sort of demonstrates the motivation of the UN IPCC and certain world politicians and global investment firms. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make some money by lying to you. It's all about the money and the political power. It always comes back to that very simple, simple thing. It is the ancient reason. Science has been sacrificed on the altar of political opportunism for economic and political gain. Or it's being utilized by the left, however you'd like to put it. Now, one thing about living in the South, if you've lived, especially if you've lived out in the woods, if you want to kill a snake, you've got to cut off its head. And the head of the global warming snake is pseudoscience, and its body is money. So the next time you hear some fool trying to come to you with their arrogance, saying we got we have to control the average temperature of the Earth, well, you can say something, or you can just smile to yourself and know that that's pseudoscience, because there is there there is no average temperature of the Earth. Never has been. It's never going to be. So let's talk about why they didn't like ivermectin in the uh in the fda and the cdc fast it, it's covid the, the whole scientific experiment just it just makes me it, it's just fascinating this is news talk 98.9 word Besides the money, there was another reason for some things that happened during the pandemic. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I am now streaming live on the WORD Facebook page because, well, I, I messed up in the in the setup on that one. And the, the podcast is available on, on the free Odyssey app. It don't cost nothing. When COVID came up, according to the FDA and the CDC, there were no treatments available. But there were some frontline doctors because you, you, there are some doctors out there that are really inquisitive and they, they investigate and they, they, they do a thought process where they're testing out certain things and looking at various attributes. And they figured out that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine might work. Well... Because, uh, you know, because nobody gave them official permission to do this. And, you know, there's nothing that says, uh, you know, individual, 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 individualism. Like the CDC and the FDA, they put up real barriers in place for working doctors to utilize those treatments. They threatened them with losing their license if they continued to treat patients. And some doctors were fired. Um, who was going around telling anybody this anyway, by the way? Was there... An, I'd, if you're a doctor and you're listening to this right now, did somebody get out there and 
inhibit you from being able to buy these drugs during that time. When the dust began to settle, there is a legal issue that might explain the lack of curiosity about a potential cheap treatment for COVID. Because if it was recognized that there was a treatment for COVID, then the emergency use authorization could not be used for the vaccine. And we get this definition of this. The emergency use authorization is a mechanism used by the FDA to facilitate making products available quickly during a public health emergency when there's no other adequate or approved medical product available. So when there's two adequate and approved medical products available, we can't use the emergency use authorization. Well, then doctors began to sue the FDA for interfering in their off-label use of ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. The FDA has now tried to argue that it never told anybody not to use it. They just made fun of people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm going to be kind here and we're going to say that they misrepresented the pressures applied to doctors and pharmacists not to prescribe this and help people. But we also... We know that the FDA and the CDC had plenty of warning that these so-called vaccines were dangerous, which is information they completely hid and ignored. But there's this, this brings about a few thoughts. And we know this because we've looked. An international study has concluded that ivermectin prevented more serious illness in approximately 62% of cases. There have now been 99 ivermectin COVID-19 controlled studies and show a 62% improvement in COVID patients. And if you think about the number of ventilator hours saved and the number of hospital beds that could have been freed up with even a 50% effective rate. And it was above that. Uh, ivermectin was deemed safe in 1966 or excuse me, 1996 for human use. So at the very beginning of the pandelarium there, we had 24 years of data on ivermectin. And if you review the emails being sent to Fauci as early as January 2020, international doctors were describing treatment successes with ivermectin and HCQ. But, no, that was just too simple. We had to have an expensive drug for treatment with little or no data. And how many human data are in the public sphere about remdesivir or the so-called vaccines? None. And then can informed consent for a treatment actually be given if there's no public information available to make the informed consent? We're still waiting to get the real detailed knowledge on remdesivir and the other so-called vaccines. We just know that this killed a lot of people. We just don't know the details. This was a major failing of the courts, by the way. Uh, and... We can ask, would we have needed to lock down everything except to protect the most vulnerable with the knowledge that a treatment existed and was able to make the risk more manageable for nearly everybody? And we know remdesivir was quite literally killing people as they were used as test subjects, and no friend or family was allowed to speak for them. We can ask if there was a conspiracy to defraud the American people about ivermectin and if it is a treatment with substantial benefit. Is the emergency use authorization actually valid? And can people sue the drug makers of the harm they've endured? 
And finally, who was working to hide the truth? Why were they doing it? Was it just about money for a new vaccine that could generate no risk returns for big pharma? In all matters of the pandemic, our lawmakers and the, and the judicial branch failed us every chance they got. Every time they got, a, you know, got the ball in their hands, they failed. Instead of some skepticism of the claims being made, they, if Fauci said it, they just accepted that as an actual fact. In several Supreme Court hearings, they quoted the talking points in the briefs rather than the actual facts. Where's, been, where's the congressional oversight been? That's been non-existent. And they're already preparing to do this to us again. And why, why should you care? And remember question number six. Was the emergency use authorization actually valid? The vaccine was improperly approved. It is not a vaccine, and it is hurting people even now. And also, the vaccines do not work. And because the FDA and the CDC claimed that no treatment was available, they were able to approve the vaccine under emergency use authorization, which took away all the risk from Big Pharma. And no one can sue anyone over it because it was approved for emergency use authorization. So the question becomes, is it possible for the best lawyers in America to crack this open and allow lawsuits for harm. Is it possible for Congress to start investigating, preparing for a Republican administration to take names and hold people accountable? The politics and the so-called science move really fast, faster than law and oversight. And rumbles of more lockdowns, new vaccine and mask mandates are already in the air. The resident started wearing a mask this week and has begun talking about a new vaccine that works, even though he took his mask off to, you know, hang the metal around a, a very old warrior's neck. This seems like a tacit acknowledgement that the so-called vaccines did not work. And who gets to define and monitor the success of these drugs? Would it be the same people who pushed the ineffective vaccine, possibly? I'm not in that. I'm, I'm, nope, not happening this time. Not happening. In Huntington Beach, they've already passed a resolution where they're not going to let the COVID mask enforcers have their way. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I just like saying it like that. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I have managed to successfully stream the show on the WORD Facebook page. And the podcast is available for free on the free Odyssey app. And let's go to the phones. Let's go to Wes in Spartanburg. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes, Mr. Frady. Uh, about this COVID junk, I have been, I am now diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Okay. I was not even pre-diabetic 
before having COVID and then getting the two jabs. Which, which uh, do you remember which one you took? Uh, it was the uh, Merck, or okay. the, 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 yeah, the M, MRNA. And I did some a little bit of research, and some of the studies that have come off of that is they said that in some people it made their sugar rise. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about it. I mean, all of that, uh, you know, it's like I was talking about with that emergency authorization. They just, you know, threw a bunch of stuff in a, in a vat and stirred it and said, ah, Viola, vaccine. Right. Yeah. And and also, too, you know, they, they pulled, they did uh, on that uh, where the people turned in their DNA to the 30-whatever for the, the genealogy. Yes, sir. And they bought this stuff in the labs they used it to create this vaccine so uh as far as you having type two uh has your physician said there's any way to reverse that yeah there is he's hoping i can reverse it i am yes a little bit overweight and i am controlling it through um a diet yeah but Nutrition it's still above, is, you know, and I do my testing every morning and every afternoon. It's right. not really high, but it's over what the recommended is. Well, and and here's something I will tell you. I, I had elevated A1C, okay? And I went to one doctor, and she just decided I was diabetic. And then she put me on diabetic medication. And then all of the signs that you are diabetic, like you're feet going numb and everything else where that was caused by the medicine to treat the diabetes. And then I fired her and got with a, a real doctor and he looked at that and said, that's not, you don't start that medication with an A1C reading of that. You become aware of yeah, it. You become, and, and then you start trying to make a lifestyle change in order to influence, but it's always something that you can influence. But yeah, you, you get a hold of that and, and reverse that. You should definitely do that. All right. Appreciate it, man. Have yes, a good sir. one type 2 diabetes I will uh, one thing that I'm happy about with the with new life is that my a1c is way below the threshold to even be considered diabetic now anyway let's talk about Huntington Beach for real quick the city of Huntington Beach they're also known as surf city they're between LA and San Diego and uh, they decided to get proactive. So they have voted to ban mask and COVID-19 vaccine mandates across the city as the cases continue rising across the state. Now, understand this, right? As far as the way I see COVID. I, I see COVID in the same vein that I see the flu. And the flu kills people every year. Kills people every year. And with the COVID thing, what they convinced us of was that we needed to we needed to hide away and and not you know just be locked down forever and ever until it was completely gone, even though it was never going away, and they knew it because they made it right. This was a weaponized virus. So, um, you know, in the in the beginning, you know, I I too was sort of a sap, and I was like, of course, a bat kissed a pangolin. But, you know, I, I, I've sort of left that behind. The more my eyes have been opened as I go along. I like to evolve with the information I gather. So, if you get a case of COVID, you should do whatever the doctor tells you to do. 
and then you get up and you go about your way. Right? No need to lock down. No need to have a mandated shot. The motion was introduced at Huntington Beach by Mayor Pro Tem Gracie Vandermark and was met with both supporters and detractors. Uh, but they are they are uh, they are no mask, no vaccine mandate now. See, Gavin Newsom, he played winners and losers in the pandemic too. That's when he wasn't going to the French Laundry without a mask on. Um, he doesn't like Orange County because Orange County is actually sort of you know Republican. <laughs> they were going out there in the so so in in California they filled a skate park with sand to keep skateboarders from skateboarding in uh, nearby San Clemente. Ignoring the fact that COVID is an indoor thing that will spread indoors, not in the open air, not in the sunshine. They closed to close the beaches despite that moving air that just dissipates it all together and disinfects COVID. They dispatch cops to chase down the defiant scofflaw surfers. They caught one at Manhattan Beach and threw the cuffs on another one in nearby Malibu. They got $1,000 fines. It was so bad that by late night, or excuse me, late, by late 2020, sheriffs from all the counties in Southern California refused to enforce the mandate. And Gavin Newsom singled out Orange County's beaches for closure, which include Huntington Beaches, but not adjacent San Diego counties. Despite the fact that they're both beaches, they're both, you know, identical crowds and everything. COVID deaths in Orange County numbered 45 and in next door, Los Angeles County, it had 1,045. But that, you know, Newsom, he, he, he wanted to damage their economy in a way that didn't damage the others. So he fixed it to where the beachgoers of Orange County could go to San Diego and L.A. <laughs> uh, but Orange County is historically right wing and there's an election, you know, that's coming up and they do. They, they they just swung blue in the last midterm based not on election night returns, but ballot harvesting. And uh, they were trying to kill the economy there in Orange County. Now, for those that are enthusiastic about masks and lockdowns, they're always moving the goalposts. So you got to always be aware of that and, and uh, you know, always be adaptable to anything they're bringing your way. Well, we're, we got to see here this week, we got to see the, uh, the advantages of the cashless digital, digital payment society. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I am streaming live right now on the WORD Facebook page. Uh, you know what? The other day, well, you know, back when I was when I started uh, when when I was working at Winn Dixie on Wade Hampton Boulevard, where the Bob Jones University thing is now, Wade Hampton Village, I learned how to run a cash cash register. Carla taught me. Carla, if you're listening, thanks, thanks for that so much. <laughs> and uh, they they were NCR cash registers, and um, well. They everybody everybody used the NCR cash register. Now everybody uses an iPad, and uh, that's because of a company called Square. They 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 sell this uh, point of sale system that allows for credit card processing and has been, you know, Thursday, 
They went down, and they affected users in the U.S., Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, France, and Spain. They supply to businesses like restaurants and salons and tattoo parlors and boutiques, and they're trusted by millions of businesses worldwide. Except on Thursday, those millions of businesses had no ability to process credit cards, and many businesses have reported turning away customers who don't have cash or taking an enormous risk in writing down credit card information to process later, and they don't know if the card's going to go through. Square had a very novel way of dealing with this when this occurred. While their customers were losing thousands of dollars per hour, their customer service line was shut down and went straight to a voice message that said the service line is unavailable. <laughs> ah. And, the, the, you know, they posted a few updates on their Twitter X account with no information about what caused the issue or when it will be fixed. Now, if you want to see what a digital... The, the shortcomings of, you know, more the more I get to looking at this, this whole technological revolution we've been through where it's supposed to make everything so much better, there's so many bad actors out there that allow stupidity to overcome their logic. I'm ready to go back to, you know, to, you know, a rotary dial phone. I'm ready to get a Texas Instruments calculator. There's a lot of things I'm ready to go back to simply because the analog always worked. On Twitter, they said, or X or whatever it's called, we are currently experiencing issues with multiple Square services. We understand how important it is for your business that our services be up and running, and we are actively working towards a fix. On Twitter, we get our X... I, I got to make a note. Just put this. Let's just call it whatever. The 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 app formerly known as Twitter. So at Square goes down completely, leaving every business using their service effectively shut off from payments, and they close up the support during this. How many of my fellow small businesses are shopping for new merchant services today? Another one. So for the past seven hours, you guys haven't even found the root of this issue. I mean, businesses are losing thousands and thousands of dollars today due to this issue. Now, I understand, you know, when when uh, Operation Choke Point was in play, nobody paid attention to that. Because so what if the gun companies couldn't process credit cards? Right? So what? So what if they couldn't have banking services? So what? Big deal. And, uh, you know, I keep telling you, that whole gun thing, that's just an avatar for everything. The only issue I have with the Founding Fathers is that they put the Second Amendment second, because it should have been the first. And other than that, I'm, I'm all in there. Now, this stuff they're trying to push on you, because it's so much more convenient just to have a debit card, right? You just carry a debit card. You can, put, you can get a little wallet to go on the back of your mobile phone. Just carry your debit card and your ID, and that's all you need. You don't need to carry no cash. Who needs that? Ooh, yuck, ooh. Who's, who touched it? They probably had COVID. Oh, no. And all this other stuff. Cash App, which is owned by the same parent company as Square, 
was also down on Thursday along with Venmo, Apple Pay, and Zelle and other digital payment apps that reported to be malfunctioning. Now, how come you didn't see that on CNN? Three local news outlets in San Francisco, Kentucky, and Alabama. What does Kentucky have in common with San Francisco? They, that's it. And uh, the outage affected the entire country, and no major national news outlet picked it up. And it isn't because it's strange. It's because this is a this is actually a feature of this whole system and everything. This is to see how much we panicked. I'm beginning to sound. I, you know what? I'm going to be shopping for a tinfoil hat later on today. Should I get one with like a bill, like a fedora? Or should it like twirl up into a point coming up the top of my head, like a swirly ice cream cone? We never heard, you know, we don't know. It may still be on, I, you know. But I always have a little cash with me just in case of this. And if you go to, but I mean, if you, if you notice here lately, as we've been moved away from uh, even having a cashier where we check out, we also now have cash registers, which only take cards. Now, this is, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just noticed that nobody saw. That's the, ca that's the cashless system at work. Isn't it so convenient? Mm-hmm, yeah. Democrat that uh, in Minneapolis the other day, she, uh, she, she had karma come around. Very painful visit that one was. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.